This is Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Follow on Twitter. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Spreading like fist. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. We Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new year, a brand new episode of Marking Out Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. This is episode 570. You can check us out on Twitter at Marking Out, Instagram, and YouTube, Marking Out 11. Thank you to anyone who took advantage of the New Year's sale at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Marking Out. We truly appreciate it. Be sure to like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash out. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts as well. And you can go to markingout.com for past, present, and future episodes. I am Brandon. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BTTG161. I'm doing awesome as always. Chris, you can follow on Twitter at Chris Sweendog and on Instagram at CMSweeney85. Dave, unfortunately, is not here. His grandfather passed away this week, unfortunately. But you could follow Dave on Twitter and Instagram at DavidPTDPT. Remember to head over to Manscaped.com. Use the code REGARDLESS. Get yourself 20% off and free shipping. Like I said, this is the first episode of 2022. So uh, I hope everybody had a nice New Year's Eve. I ended up going to the movies, came home, had a fried chicken cutlet hero with roasted red peppers and mozzarella cheese, some potato salad, macaroni salad, so it was good. Um, But a lot, a lot of wrestling took place. I watched some of night one and some of night two of Wrestle Kingdom. I... I didn't... uh, I didn't think it was great. I didn't think it was good. Which is so bizarre because Wrestle Kingdom is normally like super fun to watch, but this year it just I don't know. It, it it hasn't been the same in quite some time. But WWE had a pay-per-view on January first, day one. They really heavily referred to it as a premium live event. So I think they've officially killed the term pay-per-view. In WWE, which I guess makes sense. It's a network exclusive. I don't even know if it's being sold on pay-per-view. But the kickoff show took place. Sheamus and Ridge Holland picked up the victory over Cesaro and Ricochet. Ridge Holland, early on in the match, got busted open. Um, Ricochet landed right on his nose and broke it mid-match. So Sheamus had to go at it by himself. And I think did a really good job working on the fly here. Sheamus takes out Ricochet with a white noise on the outside, then gets back in the ring, hits Cesar with a bro kick to win. Everyone's like, Sheamus comes off as the biggest baby face ever. I'm like, I don't see it like that. I see it as a dominant heel. But the actual card kicks off. The Usos picked up the victory over New Day to retain the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. This was a super hot opening match. I'm like, I'm super over this feud, but... They always kill it with their matches, so especially on pay-per-view. So if they're giving me matches like that, 
maybe pay-per-views are for people who tune in every once in a while and don't watch their like eight matches leading up to the pay-per-view. But after the Usos hit that, uh, that double Usos splash and Woods broke it up, I was like, there's no way New Day's losing this match. And then Jimmy hit a blind tag. They hit a 3D to win, which I thought was cool. And, uh, yeah, same. They retained the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. After that, Drew McIntyre picked up the victory over Madcap Moss, which was a match that I could have personally done without. It wasn't a bad match, but it was, for me, it was like kind of pointless. And it was, for me, it was also it was too long. But later on, Baron Corbin, Happy Corbin, and Madcap Moss attacked Drew McIntyre backstage when he was being interviewed, and they ended up crushing his throat, which uh, apparently he has a real injury, so that writes him off TV, or he got it during that segment. I don't, I don't necessarily know, but RK Bro picked up the victory over the Street Profits to retain the Raw Tag Team Championships. Migos were with RK Bro. As far as this match goes, I was, at the beginning of this, I was bored. It definitely started to pick up towards the end. And I thought Randy Orton hit one of the coolest RKOs here with the assist from Matt Riddle here. So I thought that was cool. But the Street Profits and RK Bro and Migos all shook hands and they celebrated with each other afterwards. Match after that, we saw Edge pick up the victory over The Miz. We got another brood entrance into his normal entrance, so I thought that was cool. I really like that sit-out DDT off the apron that Edge did. But Maurice ends up getting involved. She put Miz's foot on the rope to break a crossface. And then Miz actually tapped out during it. Commentary, I don't think, called it, but Miz did tap out. And I thought the, the double big boot spot was nice. Miz ends up faking an injury. After Edge ran into the ring post. And Maurice clocks Edge with a pocketbook. Edge kicks out of that. So she gets up on the apron. Beth Phoenix comes out. Uh, Takes a little too long to run down. She like waited for her music. Which I thought was weird. But she comes out. Rips Maurice off the apron. Kind of distracts Miz there. And... I thought maybe we'd see Maurice cost Edge the match and then we would see Beth Phoenix show up like after the match, but no, this was the, this is what the setup was. Beth Phoenix basically caused Miz the match there and it essentially sets up Edge and Beth Phoenix versus Miz and Maurice, which I'm happy about. After that, we saw Becky Lynch pick up the victory over Liv Morgan to retain the Raw Women's Championship. I like this match. And it's rare that we get to see matches from the women on the main roster like this. I've said this uh, a lot recently. Liv Morgan kept doing a lot of moves to Becky Lynch. And every time Becky Lynch would roll out of the ring. So I thought that was cool. I like that. The corner powerbomb that Liv Morgan did was super nice. I liked Liv Morgan stomping on Becky Lynch's arm like... Becky Lynch did to Liv Morgan in the steps. I thought that was a nice touch to it. But the match comes to an end. Becky Lynch caught Liv Morgan's oblivion with a manhandle slam. Tried to use the ropes, but ultimately I guess she was too far from it. So 
I assume that was supposed to be like, oh my god, she cheated again to get this victory. Liv Morgan gets another match. But that doesn't seem to be the case right now. After that, Johnny Knoxville announced that he's going to be in the Royal Rumble. Jack S. Forever comes out the week of the Royal Rumble. So it's like a Drew Carey situation there. But maybe he'll be super entertaining. Maybe he'll be good. Maybe it'll lead to a match at WrestleMania. I have no idea. Um, it's not like I'm, I'm not looking forward to seeing Johnny Knoxville. But I don't mind a celebrity... Uh, involvement, if, yeah, I don't mind the celebrity involvement. I know a lot of people don't. I, I would prefer for a spot to not be wasted on Johnny Knoxville, though. I will say that. But before the pay-per-view, it was announced that Roman Reigns tested positive for COVID. So Brock Lesnar was instead added to the WWE Championship match and then won. He defeated Big E, Seth Rollins, Bobby Lashley, and Kevin Owens to become the new WWE Champion. This was a surprisingly really quick match. And surprisingly, I say because it felt like a lot longer to me than it actually ended up being. But I liked liked this match. I liked Seth and Kevin Owens trying to work together. Lashley ends up spearing Brock Lesnar through the barricade. The the F5 counter of the stomp I thought was amazing because it came out of nowhere. And ultimately, I, I hate that Brock won, but at least he's a babyface this time. And he's been having like a, a fun run as that face character. But Big E, um, I thought he was a great WWE champion. Last week's episode, I said a markout moment of the year was Big E winning the money, uh, the the WWE Championship even. So, I don't think this will be the last time we see Big E as WWE Champion. Moving over to Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Nitro. The lights go out. And when they came back on, Paul Heyman was in the ring. He did the Brock Lesnar shtick, and Brock Lesnar came out. He tossed the ring steps in the ring so he could stand on them like an Olympian. He gave Roman Reigns a shout-out, referred to himself as the real champion, and he told South Carolina to acknowledge him. Some people booed, some people cheered. He acknowledged Paul Heyman being able to set up his contract for him to go anywhere he wants. Paul Heyman also spoke about the four people in the number one contenders match, which were the four people in the WWE Championship match. He really put over Big E, which was cool to hear. All in all, I thought it was a good segment. First match on Monday Night Raw saw the Alpha Academy pick up the victory over RK Bro. This was a weird, weird setup. I think they might have goofed before the commercial break. They had Riddle approach Randy Orton beforehand and then went to commercial. And when they came back, they had Riddle approach him again for a promo. But Alpha Academy attacked RK-Bro before the match. And then throughout the match, they they held their own. 
I liked Chad Gable preventing the hot tag by pulling Randy Orton off the apron. Riddle went for an RKO and Otis was able to catch him, change it into a world's strongest slam, and then he pinned Matt Riddle to pick up the victory there. Orton was the one that Chad Gable got the tag team titles from once before when he was in the Wyatt family. And when Chad Gable was in American Alpha, I think we could definitely see that happening again. Chad Gable picking up another victory over Randy Orton to become the Raw Tag Team Champions. And I'm here for American Alpha as Tag Team Champions. After that, we saw Reggie and Dana Brooke defeat Akira Tozawa and Tamina to retain the 24-7 championship. This, to me, wasn't great. Tozawa accidentally kicked Tamina and she knocked him out, leading to the end of the match. It was very quick. I understand the match. It it did what it needed to do on a storyline basis with Tamina, I guess. After that, Becky Lynch spoke about Liv Morgan failing, and Liv came out and said that she was so close to winning at the PLE, I guess we'll call it, not the PPV. But Bianca Belair came out as well, and then Liv told her to leave. Belair's like, I have unfinished business with Becky Lynch. Then Becky Lynch told them to decide who will face her and then get back to her. And they both end up attacking her. They both then go at each other. Becky Lynch came out on top. And then later on backstage, Dewdrop yelled at Adam Pearce and Sonya Deville saying that she deserves her chance. New people should be challenging for the Raw Women's Championship. Liv had her shot. Bianca Belair had her shot. I want my shot. So Bianca Belair, uh, not Bianca Belair, Sonya Deville sets up Liv Morgan versus Bianca Belair versus Dewdrop for next week's Monday Night Raw. And the winner goes on to the Raw Rumble to face Becky Lynch. So I can only assume that Bianca Belair is going to win that match. And maybe Liv Morgan does win the Raw Rumble. And she gets that, that Raw Women's Championship at WrestleMania. After that, Queen Zelina and Carmella picked up the victory over Nikki A.S.H. and Rhea Ripley to retain the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships. This is on the same level as that 24-7 match. Nikki lost, so I assume she's going to snap eventually. I think there's no other option there. That's It's going to lead to a match between Rhea Ripley and Nikki Cross. And Nikki Cross is going to go ballistic. And that match might be like super awesome if they let it have time like they would in NXT. Like they did with Liv Morgan and Becky Lynch at the pay-per-view. After that, Street Profits picked up the victory over Apollo Crews and Commander Aziz. Street Profits entered the Royal Rumble beforehand. So did the Mysterios. But this was another quick match. It ended with Montez Ford hitting that awesome frog splash on Apollo Crews. You can't say much when these matches are like super quick. Damian Priest picks up the victory over Dolph Ziggler to retain. If Priest got counted out or DQ'd, he would have lost the U.S. championship here. So they were really pushing Damian's like new attitude. Robert Roode at one point cheated behind the referee's back and knocked Priest off the top rope. And Priest was still able to kick out of that. And he goes after Robert Roode, gets a chair, 
And Ziggler's like begging him to hit him with the chair. Instead, he turns around, throws it at Robert Roode. He gets hit with a zigzag and still kicks out of that. Picks Ziggler up, hits the reckoning, ends the match. I thought it was a great match. Uh, or I should say a good match, maybe not necessarily a great match, but I thought it was a good match. After that backstage, Vince McMahon and Austin Theory had a segment, which I popped when Vince said, I said, who is it? Not coming. I thought that was funny. But Austin Theory asked him about his rematch with Finn Balor, and Vince McMahon puts him in the Raw Rumble. So we're, we're starting to fill out the Raw Rumble here. Johnny Knoxville seems like a favorite twin. <laughs> But um, after that, we saw Miz and Maurice come out and speak about day one. Miz blamed Beth Phoenix. Also, that Vince McMahon segment, we heard Vince McMahon a lot better this time. And there were multiple camera angles, so I'm almost certain that it was a pre-taped segment and not live. But Miz and Maurice, they spoke about day one and Beth Phoenix. Miz blamed Beth Phoenix. And Miz asked, who hides behind their wife? And a bunch of these questions that Miz would do. And I I actually laughed because when he started asking all these questions, the crowd collectively was like, you. And I thought that was really funny. But Maurice said that if Beth Phoenix was there, she'd punch her in the face. And then Beth and Edge came out. Edge pitched the match that I've been waiting for since Miz was on, since Edge was on um, Miz TV. They officially announced Miz and Maurice versus Beth Phoenix and Edge at the Royal Rumble and Maurice was pissed that Miz accepted the match she Maurice ends up flinching at Beth Phoenix and ends up leaving Miz behind we have not seen Miz uh, not Miz Maurice and Beth Phoenix in a ring together since I think 2011 so that's pretty crazy but after that almost picked up the victory over AJ Styles I had higher hopes for this match. It did its job to make almost look like a beast in regards to height, but I thought it was weird. Fans were cheering AJ Styles here. I get he's a face in NXT now, but should you are they are they making almost a heel? I don't get that because he was cheered up until AJ Styles went to NXT, I guess. Up until they had this match. We did not have a Vera's Coming vignette this week, but they did have an Alexa Bliss segment where they showed a video package of Alexa Bliss. The last time that we saw her was Extreme Rules four months ago. And they're going to be having her journey back to Monday Night Raw starting, I think, next week. So that's something to look forward to. We're, uh, we have Asuka perhaps coming back soon. We have Bailey maybe coming back soon, obviously on SmackDown. And then uh, Alexa Bliss, I'm looking forward to this. Main event saw Bobby Lashley pick up the victory over Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, and Big E to become the number one contender facing Brock Lesnar at the Raw Rumble. They took this match backstage. Big E puts Kevin Owens through a merch table. Rollins and Kevin Owens were working really well together here, so maybe they'll at one point win the, the Raw Tag Team Championships or something like that. Maybe we could see Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens enter the Dusty Classic. I'll get to that. That would be cool. Uh, But Bobby Lashley ends up spearing everyone, picks up the victory, and they cut backstage where Brock Lesnar is watching this. 
And he was asked for a comment on this. And he sets up going to SmackDown just to talk to Roman Reigns. He doesn't mention Bobby Lashley. I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing. Why did they do that? That made no sense. That's Monday Night Raw. Moving over to NXT. It kicks off New Year's Evil. Carmelo Hayes picks up the victory over Roderick Strong to become the unified North American champion. At first, that title was going to be called the Unified North American Cruiserweight Championship. But I guess they decided last minute not to do that. But this was a great match. Carmelo Hayes came out looking fantastic. At one point, I'm still confused as to what the move was. I know commentary called it an X-Plex from Roderick Strong off the, the top rope. But I think Hayes might have countered it at the the very last second with a cutter because from that he went on top of Roderick Strong to pin him and then Roddy kicks out but almost immediately after that he goes up hits his diving leg drop picks up the victory off of that and Roderick Strong's one of the very last black and gold guys there I think we know what his next feud is I'll get to that in a uh, a second But like I said before, they announced the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classics. It'll return. The men starts in two weeks and the women start in February. And it would be cool to see somebody like Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins enter together as a tag team. After that, AJ Styles came out and spoke about how he regrets not starting in NXT, which I don't know if I could buy, but... (laughs) He put over the fans big time. He brought up Grayson Waller, which brings Grayson Waller out. And Waller made fun of AJ's loss on Monday Night Raw to Omos. AJ brought up how he's never actually had a one-on-one match at NXT. And almost went to challenge him for a match right then and there. He was in his gear. Waller shuts it down. Waller then says, we need press. We need hype. It's all about the clicks with him. So he sets up the the main event for NXT next week to be AJ Styles versus Grayson Waller. Waller ends up going to hit AJ Styles. AJ ducks it. They brawl a little bit. Waller ends up escaping before AJ hits the phenomenal forearm. So next week, AJ Styles will be on NXT in the main event. So that's pretty cool. After that, Pete Dunne challenged Tony D'Angelo to face him in a match next week which will be a crowbar on a pole match. So that's interesting. I don't know when the last time on a pole match we've seen. But uh, backstage, Amari Miller approached Casey Catanzaro and Caden Carter. And Persia Parada and Indy Hartwell cut them off. Carter challenged them. And Parada accepted. They want... They need a third woman. And Parada's like, oh, what about her? And Tiffany Stratton ends up turning them down. And Wendy Chu was there, finally spoke. We finally hear her name. And she'll, I guess, tag with Persia Parada and Andy Hartwell against the three of them. So that should be interesting to see her in-ring debut next week. Match after this, MSK team with Matt Riddle picked up the victory over Imperium. I thought it was cool that MSK came out with a... a a mixed theme of their theme and Matt Riddle's theme together. And it was done by a live DJ. I think they said he was from New York. I don't know if he's famous, but they've been on this journey for about two months now. So we haven't seen them wrestle since that in like two months. 
So it was nice to see them wrestling again. Eichner came out of this match looking super strong again. Uh, Riddle versus Walter was cool to see. Walter cut a bunch of weight. Good on him. And then I liked Riddle going to do Orton's Ropung DDT to Imperium. I thought that was cool. We got a heart attack blockbuster slash floating bro combination. I thought that was a nice three-man combo move. And then Riddle dropped Marcel Bartel with an RKO to pick up the victory there. Later on, Riddle told MSK it's goodbye for now. And it's basically their time to challenge Imperium. The Creed brothers said that the only way to get another title shot is to win the Dusty Classic. And they're going to have a time, a hard time getting through them. So I guess, realistically, we won't see Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins in the Dusty Classic. We'll probably see teams, uh, maybe we'll we'll see MSK win it again. I wouldn't like that, but maybe we will. Joe Gacy and Harland were interviewed by Mackenzie Mitchell, and she asked him about the Andre Chase student last week, and Gacy spoke on Harland's behalf and said he's been working on some things And competing in the Dusty Cup would bring Harlan peace. And Gacy doesn't want a handout, so he'll, like, want to prove it. So I think they're going to have some sort of, like, qualifying match coming up to prove that they deserve to be a team in the Dusty Classic. After that, Electra Lopez was interviewed. And Mackenzie Mitchell asked her about Zion Quinn. And Electra said she... She said, keep wondering. And... That she's attracted to success. And she'll give her answer next week when Zion Quinn faces Santos Escobar for her. I think it'll probably be Zion Quinn ending up winning that match. After that, Mandy Rose picked up the victory over Raquel Gonzalez and Cora Jade to retain the NXT Women's Championship. Mandy Rose arrived in a helicopter. Um, Raquel came out on her motorcycle. Cora Jade came out on the skateboard, obviously. Given that there were no countouts and disqualifications, I thought this match was quite chaotic, and it wasn't a bad thing. I thought it was another good match. Raquel Gonzalez. Also, the fact that Toxic Attraction we didn't see, I was surprised because there were no rules. But... I liked Raquel Gonzalez hitting both Mandy Rose and Cora J with the Samoan drop at the same time. I thought that was nice. At one point, Gonzalez took Jade out of the match by press slamming her over the top of the rope. And she was out for a bit after that. Until Gonzalez went for a pin and, and she hit that senton out of nowhere. Gonzalez went for that suplex off the, the top rope. Cora Jade got out of it, pushed Raquel out of the ring. And she tried to get a quick pin on Mandy, but Mandy reversed it and won the match. Maybe that was the one thing I wish was different. Cora Jade needs like an actual finishing move. Because she can't just keep having these like lucky quick pins. But after that, we saw Boa in a, I guess a vignette or something, washing his face over and over again. again. And he spoke about how the powers are uncontrollable. And he wants to face Solo Sokoa by himself. And standing behind him was Boa with the face paint on. So I think we might see Boa lose to Solo Sokoa next week. And then 
eventually it, he'll just have to accept these powers, perhaps. After that, Andre Chase spoke about one of the, the student that risked his life to protect him. And the guy got a scholarship to, to chase you. And he called him to come down. But Von Wagner cuts it off. He attacked Andre Chase. He went after the student. He went after a member of the WWE Universe. And then on his way out, he made fun of Roderick Strong for losing the, the Cruiserweight Championship. So I think that'll end up being his next match. Or feud, I should say. And then the main event saw Braun Breaker pick up the victory over Tommaso Ciampa to become the new NXT champion. Breaker came out, broke a chain, kicked his way through an X, a styrofoam X. <laughs> um, but I thought this was a, a really good match and I really appreciated it being commercial free because I hate commercials. And commercials would have completely sucked everything out of this match. Breaker just continues to be super impressive. That standing moonsault I thought was good. Champa ends up getting busted open. Um that the the Willow's Bell setup I thought was super scary, but like a fantastic recovery to like I wasn't even like I don't even know if that was supposed to take place. Like it was it didn't seem like the Gorilla Press Slam was supposed to be turned into that. But it like so smoothly transitioned right into it. To to where I think maybe it was supposed to. But I don't I like I don't even know if that makes sense, but <laughs> but Braun Breaker put Tommaso Ciampa through the commentary table. He gorilla press slammed him. Uh and it looked like that was the end of the match, but Ciampa gets his hand on the rope. The series of knees from Champa I thought was really nice. And Champa hits the fairy tale fairy tale ending. Breaker kicks out. Goes on to hit that middle rope bulldog and a Steiner recliner picks up the victory. Off air, his father comes in. Rick Steiner returns to a WWE ring in how many years to celebrate with his son for winning the NXT championship. I think that's awesome. And I'm here looking forward to Braun Breaker's championship run. Champa was the other guy, the the final like goodbye black and gold sort of thing. Raquel Gonzalez kind of is too. Mandy Rose, in my opinion, is black and gold as well, but she's in a newer style group. And obviously Pete Dunne, uh, Imperium, and uh, a few others are as well. But it seems like they're completely changing and refocusing. And I say that because they released uh, some key people in NXT this week. They released Road Dog. They released William Regal who like how do you not keep William Regal? Like there has to be there's no like I don't believe that in your restructuring of NXT William Regal is not an asset to your company. That doesn't make any sense. Scott Armstrong Dave Kapoor, who was Ranjin Singh, who has been part of creative for years, it seemed. Most recently doing stuff with NXT. Ryan Katz is another name that was released. He was a longtime producer for NXT. 
George Carroll, Gabe Sapolsky's gone, Ace Steele, I think he was just on TV, Allison Danger, who was like literally just hired three months ago, Danny Birch, Timothy Thatcher, Hatcheman, Hatcheman we just saw on TV. But I guess they've all been working as coaches at the Performance Center. They even... In April, when Samoa Joe was released, a lot of people were like, what the hell? They brought him back. He was the enforcer on NXT. Ends up defeating Karrion Cross to become the NXT champion. Relinquishes the title. And then we just, we have not seen him. He's been doing, I'm pretty sure he's been doing coaching stuff. We see him in clips from the tryouts. They released Samoa Joe. Again. And... It truly is like a a restructuring thing. Out with black and gold, in with 2.0. It's pretty crazy. But as far as the match goes, as far as the, the win goes, I'm really satisfied with Braun Breaker as champion. I hope he makes it into WWE 2K22 as DLC or something. Overall, the whole show I really enjoyed. It's just... It sucks that you have something so good one day and then the next day you literally get the news that all those guys and girls were released. And it's like, how are they not assets to the company? It's bizarre. But that is New Year's Evil. Moving over to NXT UK... It kicked off with Oliver Carter and Ashton Smith picking up the victory over Symbiosis. This match was decent. I think Oliver Carter is super impressive. Their finishing move that they hit, the the springboard doomsday cutter finisher gimmick that they did, I thought it was really nice, but it took a bit too long to pull off for my taste. Um... After that, we saw Zaya Brookside pick up the victory over Myla Grace. This was a pretty quick match. I'm really liking the new entitled brat character change for Zaya Brookside, though. So, I'm looking forward to more. I'm a big Zaya Brookside fan. They aired a few, uh, like, not vignettes, but backstage videos and, and video packages and stuff. And one of the backstage videos was a male arriving to the arena. And I thought it really stood out. She definitely seems like she'll be in line for a push. And a match with Stevie Turner seems imminent. But I think maybe we'll also see her and Ginny start to feud as well. So I'm looking forward to that. There's more passion from a male as of late. So that's pretty pretty cool. After that, they aired a video package for Walter's Last Stand because he wants one more match in NXT UK. It's his last match in NXT UK for now. And Johnny Saint signed Walter versus Nathan Frazier for next week. As of this moment, we don't know what the deal is with Walter, but we can only assume that it'll be NXT for the time being. Unless further down the the road, we see him enter the Royal Rumble or something, make some sort of big impact on Raw and SmackDown. But as of right now, we saw this past week, we saw Imperium together on NXT. 
The main event saw Mako Satamora pick up the victory over Blair Davenport to retain the NXT UK Women's Championship. I thought it was a good match. I liked when Davenport rocked Mako Satamora with a kick on the outside. And Nigel like went ballistic. He thought that was it. She, he thought uh, Mako was knocked out. And he was like, go for the pin, go for the pin. But instead, Davenport pulls Mako into a rope hung or an apron hung DDT to the outside. I really like that. And I think of all the people that we've seen go against Mako for this championship, it's been Blair that's gotten the closest to maybe winning. And afterwards, when Mako was celebrating her victory, Davenport attacked her and held up the title. So I don't think this is done. But that is NXT UK. Moving over to SmackDown. It kicked off with Roman Reigns. He said he doesn't want to see Brock Lesnar or Paul Heyman ever again, which brings both of them out. Brock did another Paul Heyman impression, which I thought was funny. Um, But he challenged Roman Reigns to a title versus title match. And Roman Reigns said that it's a good idea, but it's not his idea and it's his show. And Brock at one point told Paul Heyman to shut up. Roman told him not to talk to Paul like that. And then... Paul told Brock not to talk to Roman like that. And Roman Reigns distracted or or that distracted Brock Lesnar. And Brock was was yelling at Paul and got hit with a Superman punch in that segment. I thought it was pretty interesting. The three the way that the three of them were interacting with each other. Uh, after that backstage, Sami Zayn spoke about how Shinsuke Nakamura has been dodging him. And then he ran into Johnny Knoxville and Sami Zayn told him that he has not qualified for the Royal Rumble. So I guess during the day one pay-per-view that uh, wasn't officially entered as of that moment. But Rick Boogs ends up picking up the victory over Sami Zayn. And that was a decent match. Boogs controlled most of it. He hit that one super awesome uh, vertical suplex when uh, he had a delayed vertical suplex. Sami Zayn started throwing knees to his head and he got down to one knee, finally got down to both knees. And when you think Sami Zayn was out of it, Boogs lifts him back up. I thought that was awesome. But Boogs ends up winning with a quick roll up. Not a, not a fan of that. Um, I would have thought we would see Johnny Knoxville cost Sami Zayn that match. But afterwards... He came out and dumped Sami Zayn over the the top rope to officially qualify for the Royal Rumble. Speaking of Royal Rumble, Charlotte came out next and announced some of the women in the Royal Rumble. That being Rhea Ripley, Nikki A.S.H., the Bella Twins making their return. Shotzi Blackheart, Natalia, Michelle McCool making her return. Dana Brooke, Carmella, Queen Zelina, Tamina, Kelly Kelly making her return, Aaliyah, Summer Rae, which is absolutely awesome that she's making her return as as well. Dave and I have been huge fans of Summer Rae, always thought she should have been champion in WWE. She announced Naomi, Shayna Baszler, Lita also making her return, and Mickey James. And not only Mickey James, they announced that she's, they they, uh, acknowledged her being the knockout's champion for impact which was just like bizarre she was in 
the Raw Rumble last year. She got released. She worked NWA, worked Impact. Now she'll be back for this Raw Rumble. Uh, whether or not she loses the championship this weekend, I don't know. Still, I'm almost certain signed with Impact. Which was just like, that to me broke the internet. I thought that was absolutely awesome. A real forbidden door moment. It's so crazy. Impact has worked with like the biggest companies in this past year. Absolutely insane. But Charlotte Flair announced herself to be in the Raw Rumble as well. Because she wants to handpick her opponent. And there's no better way to do that than to actually win and then pick who she wants to face. And that led to Naomi coming out and saying that she doesn't have to wait until the Raw Rumble to challenge somebody. And Charlotte said that Naomi hasn't done much lately. So Naomi slaps her. And then Charlotte charges at her. Naomi evades her and throws her through the ropes. Leading to a match. Charlotte picked up the victory over Naomi. Sonya Deville came out during this and announced that Naomi can't win the match via count out, which Charlotte was definitely not making the 10 count. That distracted Naomi and Charlotte got to attack her from behind. The match goes on. Sonya Deville announces that she can't win via DQ either. Only pin, only submission. So I think it was pretty obvious that Naomi was losing this match. I thought it was somewhat of a decent match though. I like that um, maybe it was a powerbomb spot into the Naomi, the, the buster move. I thought that was a nice spot. But this Naomi and Sonya Deville feud, maybe it'll go to the Raw Rumble leading to WrestleMania or something. I have no idea. After that, we saw Happy Talk where Drew McIntyre was announced as the guest for that show. But it was Madcap Moss making fun of him. Brings out the Viking Raiders for their match against Happy Corbin and Madcap Moss. Viking Raiders lose in a match that I feel like nothing really happened in it. And I was kind of surprised to see the Viking Raiders lose. What happened to building them back up? Afterwards, they announced that Drew McIntyre has a cervical neck strain with severe contusions. Going to be getting it checked out next week. So hopefully nothing uh, too bad is is wrong with him. Hopefully he's back soon. After that, Sheamus spoke about Ridge Holland's injury and entered himself into the Raw Rumble. Nothing, uh, nothing big after that. Just the main event. The Usos picked up the victory over New Day to retain the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. This, uh, this was another a street fight which also started out with tags. But they just had a street fight in December, less than a month ago, with Drew McIntyre and Madcap Moss as their partners. I put over how good the pay-per-view match was. This was a good match as well, but how many times could they possibly give this to us? I don't know if this was like the last chance for New Day. I think that's what they said. But outside of that, The actual match, a very, I think a very rare spot took place where they had steel steps used in the crowd. I thought that was nice. New Day finding some sort of like Roman warrior gear under the ring, which was used to their advantage. I liked that spot. 
but the Usos set up a table, hit the 3D on Kofi Kingston, threw the table to pick up the victory. So, which they're calling 1D. They used it at the pay-per-view as well. I'm 100% not calling it 1D. It's 3D. 1D is One Direction. Is a boy band. Definitely not calling it the 1D. But maybe this is going to set up like, I don't think so, but maybe it'll set up a, a return for the Dudley boys again. I have no idea. But to end SmackDown, Adam Pierce had told Roman Reigns that he has a replacement for, or not an, a replacement, he has an opponent for Roman Reigns for the Raw Rumble. Earlier in the night, they mentioned Bob Backlund was backstage at Mohegan Sun. I have been pulling for Roman Reigns versus Bob Backlund for quite some time now, so <laughs> I know that's like no, never ever gonna happen. But I had, I didn't even have high hopes. I knew that wasn't gonna happen. But it would have been nice if they had that. But Roman Reigns is backstage, sitting in his locker room, and he gets a knock to the tune of the Shields theme song, and. In comes Seth Rollins, who just laughs in Roman Reigns' face. So that's who will be facing Roman Reigns at the Raw Rumble for the Universal Championship. Monday Night Raw's Seth Rollins. I know the internet's probably going to complain, why is Raw facing SmackDown, Survivor Series, blah, blah, blah. But I'm I'm fine with it. They have that whole, um, I forget what they call it, the talent exchange gimmick. But I'm fine with Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins at Royal Rumble. I think that's a a big, somewhat of a marquee match for a pay-per-view. And ultimately, that's SmackDown. Going to take a quick break right now and hear a word from our sponsor over at Manscaped. And I'll be right back here on Marking Out. Support for Marketing Out is brought to you by Manscaped, who are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Look, I mean, I've done it. Dave's done it. Brandon's never done it. You're down there. You, sh- you know, shave it up, making sure everything looks clean and fresh, and you get a nick. Get a little cutsky there, and it stinks. It's no, it, it's no fun whatsoever. So that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. It's the ball hair trimmer equivalent of Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker at WrestleMania 25. When I tell you this is premium. I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. Because we all know that Brandon's gonna need it. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower. So that way, you don't make a mess all over your bathroom. The one coolest feature is the LED light which illuminates grooming areas for a closer, more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7000 RPM motor with quiet shrug technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. So that way I can charge my lawnmower 3.0, my camera batteries, and my phone all on the same shelf. Huzzah! If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk of yours and get 20% off and free shipping with the code REGARDLESS that's one for this uh, read at manscaped.com your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code REGARDLESS, that's two for this read, at manscaped.com. 
That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code REGARDLESS. That's three for the three. And folks, if you want your boomer sooner to be fruity, delicious, fruity, fruity, delicious, fruity, delicious, well, then use the code REGARDLESS to get 20% off and free shipping. That's now four for this read. Don't forget to sauce it. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Marking Out episode 570. Remember to head over to manscaped.com, use the code REGARDLESS, get yourself 20% off. You can pick up the perfect package. Save 20%, use the code REGARDLESS. I'm going to move over to AEW Rampage New Year's Smash Part 2 from last week. It opened with Darby Allen picking up the victory over Anthony Bowens. And I enjoyed the heck out of this match. Max Caster tried to get involved, but Sting took him out. Um, I think the bigger thing is from the aftermath, though, where Andrade randomly showed up and Anthony Bowens hit Sting with the boombox. Max Caster jumped Darby Allen and the acclaimed took them out. Uh, after that, Anna Jay and Ty Conti picked up the victory over Penelope Ford and the Bunny in a street fight. This match was highly regarded by the internet, and it was a good street fight. I liked it. The bunny was busted open, like busted the hell open, by a brass knucks shot. I think Anna Jay threw the punch, but that one table spot that went viral is, ouch. When uh, Penelope Ford hit a moonsault from the, the top rope to the outside and the table didn't break, But Penelope Ford follows that up by smashing a bottle over Ty Conti's head. The other table spot with the bunny backing Anna Jay into it, I thought was kind of sloppy looking, but I don't put that on them. I put that on the table. AEW uses some really weird tables. Um, But I, I liked Penelope Ford hitting Ty Conti with the cutter on the ladder. I thought that was nice. And then the bunny introduced thumbtacks to the match. And it was Anna Jay suplexing the bunny onto them. Anna Jay definitely landed on the, the thumbtacks as well, but it was the bunny that took most of it. Um, I thought slipping on the tacks was kind of stupid, but Anna Jay wrapping her arm in the barbed wire and then choking the bunny out, I thought was a nice touch to end the match. Main event of Rampage saw Cody Rhodes pick up the victory over Ethan Page to retain the TNT Championship. And for the most part, I could not care less about this match. Sky got involved behind the referee's back. Arn Anderson went after him. Dustin Rhodes ran down and they brawled together. I did like when Cody went for the top rope move and Adam Page, not Adam Page, Ethan Page caught him. Hit a power slam from the middle rope. I thought that was really nice. And then Cody ends the match with the two crossroads and a Tiger Driver 98 to pick up the victory. So that seems to be his thing where it's like Wardlow's hitting powerbomb after powerbomb, 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 powerbomb. Cody's hitting crossroads, crossroads, Tiger Driver 98. That is Rampage. Moving over to AEW Dynamite, the first of the year, the first episode on TBS. Live from The Rock, live from Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey. It opens with Adam Page picking up the victory over Brian Danielson to retain the AEW Championship. I don't really necessarily get why this opened the show again, 
But the judges we saw were Big Show, Jerry Lynn, Mark Henry. All three of them have history with Daniel Bryan or Bryan Danielson. Uh, I liked Adam Page catching the suicide dive that Daniel Bryan hit and reversed it with a suplex. I thought that was really cool. Adam Page and Brian Danielson both got busted open during this, which I don't think was completely necessary. I feel like they use it a lot. It's almost a weekly basis at this point. But some other spots in the match that I really liked, I liked that su- the suplex reversal into a suplex reversal to the outside of the ring. And then that also got reversed. I thought that was really smooth and, and nicely done. I really liked... Hangman Adam Page catching Brian Danielson off the apron when he was going for that running knee. The th- the part of that that I did not like was the dead eye because it didn't actually connect. Again, he did that in that in the match at Winners Coming and it didn't connect in the ring. I think it was, but um, Hangman did hit a buckshot lariat to pick up the victory. It was about a 30-minute match. I can't say it was better than Winter is Coming. But I could say that just like the last time they had judges, they were pointless. At one point, they panned over to Big Show. He looked like he was sleeping. I don't know if it maybe he was just writing stuff down and that's what it like caught him looking like that. But it, they served no purpose there. Uh, after that, Sean Dean picked up the victory over MJF via disqualification, which... I get, but I also thought it was so stupid because as soon as the bell rang, CM Punk ran out, runs into the ring, MJF leaves and the referee, Aubrey is calling for MJF to get back in the ring without even telling CM Punk to leave. So CM Punk turns around, hits the GTS on Sean Dean, causing MJF to have a loss for 2022. I think it should have clearly been, like, tossed out. But afterwards, CM Punk and MJF went back and forth on the mic. They did a split screen at one point, almost like the exact same graphics from Monday Night Raw in 2001, especially, like, when Shane McMahon was buying WCW. But MJF told CM Punk that next week he'll be facing Wardlow and not him. So it's building. I, again, I understand why they would have CM Punk cause the disqualification, but I just, I thought it was stupid. After that, Chris Jericho came out and yelled about 2.0 and they came out. Jericho made fun of them and they showed Kip Sabian sitting ringside with his cardboard box on his face for some reason. But Chris Jericho goes out of the ring, grabs a bat. 2.0, Daniel Garcia attacked Chris Jericho. Eddie Kingston, Santana, and Ortiz chase them off, which sets up, I believe, a Rampage match. After that, Undisputed Era were backstage. Adam Cole trying to really sell Red Dragon on the Young Bucks. And Adam Cole brings up Jake Atlas randomly. They showed a video package of Jake Atlas before that, but he randomly brings up Jake Atlas, and that sets up a match for Rampage, which I think Jake Atlas unfortunately hurt his knee during that match so hopefully it's not bad and he's good to go soon after that Wardlow picked up the victory over Antonio Zambrano 
Sean Spears hit him with the Death Valley driver before the match and then tosses him into the ring. Wardlow does the powerbomb, powerbomb, powerbomb gimmick. And that ends the match. Jade Cargill picked up the victory over Ruby Soho to be the first TBS champion. Mercedes Martinez came out during this. Thunder Rosa ran down, brawled with her to the back. Mark Sterling got involved at one point and and, uh, Aubrey tossed him from, from ringside. This distracted Ruby Soho a little bit, but she was able to get out of Jade Cargill's finisher there. But to me, if you want to build up a brand new title, is outside interference not something you'd want to, like, exclude? You want to make the title as as prestigious as possible and you're going to have outside interference? But Jade did hit her finisher from the middle rope. I thought the match was awful. It was very reminiscent of that match with Thunder Rosa where even the the best of wrestlers, they're just not getting these great matches out of Jade. And I've said this in the past, Jade Cargill, she's very, very clearly athletic. And there's so much room to grow and she can be a big star. I mean, obviously she's already a big star. People are cheering for her. People love Jade Cargill. But that, for me, that day is not today. I don't, I really do not think she's ready for TV. Later on, Ruby Soho was about to be interviewed about that match and Britt Baker cut her off. Made And uh, Ruby Soho made fun of Britt Baker for always needing help to win and never beating Riho. Britt Baker attacks her. Rio makes the save. And then it sets up, for some reason... A tag team match between Rio and um, Ruby Soho versus Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker the night before Battle of the Belts on Rampage. How that makes sense, I have no idea. But after that, Malachi Black picked up the victory over Brian Pillman Jr., This match, uh, it went on a lot longer than I expected it to. It wasn't a a bad match, but I think because I was expecting Malachi Black to get that victory a lot quicker, it wasn't like the best match. Brian Pillman slipped and rolled through into a black mass for the end of the match, but it was almost as if it was supposed to be like that. I, like, I don't know how, it didn't look like a botch. Like, it looked, obviously he slips off the rope, but it looked like that was supposed to be the end of the the match, where he was supposed to just get up and roll through. Maybe it was supposed to be a flying clothesline. I think Brian Pillman made it work. Um, After that, though, the Lucha Bros came out. The lights go out. And Brody King didn't debut, nor did Buddy Murphy. It was just Malachi Black walking to the back. I didn't get that. And then the Lucha Brothers had to go to the back to come back out for their match. The Jurassic Express picked up the victory over Lucha Bros. They became the new tag team champions. This match I thought was was decent. I like the destroyer that Jungle Boy did off of Luchasaurus. I thought that was cool. It took a little too long. 
Just like that, uh, the apron pile driver spot that they did. The lights randomly went out during this. And I'm like, oh, maybe now we'll see Malachi Black and Brody King. And that didn't happen. Alex Abrahante set up a table ringside and, and he wanted Fenix to use it. Fenix is like, no, I'm not using that. And Luchasaurus ended up choke slamming him through it. And Fenix landed on his arm. The whole internet thought he broke his arm. It was like watching a, a Psycho Sid spot where he actually breaks his his ankle on on WCW. It was like so gross to watch. But it has been confirmed that it's not a break. It's just a really bad dislocated arm. Hopefully he recovers from that really quickly. That was just a uh, a really, really just insane to have seen. Even that, that replay spot was just brutal. But Jungle Boy eventually rolled Penta up to pick up the victory. I didn't really necessarily like that. It was a quick roll-up pin like that. But I'm really happy that Jurassic Express won because I'm a big fan of them. And I'm happy they're champions. Christian can retire happy now. That's all he wanted before he retired. And then the weirdest thing happened. All the heels came out (laughs) to look at them. They lined up perfectly. They didn't care that each other was there. But like Red Dragon, HFO, FTR, they just lined up and they were like, we want next, bro. It was like a West Side Story. They were like snap short of a West Side Story. Jericho was randomly sitting in the crowd. Malachi Black randomly sitting in the crowd. Maybe that teases that Jericho has a tag team partner coming out or or debuting soon. Maybe that, that teases that Malachi Black also has a tag team partner debuting soon. Being Brody King. Very goofy ending. And I don't think this was a good episode to debut for TBS. Um, but Battle of the Belts taking place on TNT this weekend live from the Bojangles Coliseum in Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm not sure if there are going to be any matches added to this, but right now we have the first match that was announced was Dr. Britt Baker versus Riho for the AW Women's Championship. I definitely see Britt Baker retaining. And then Cody is defending the, the TNT Championship against Sammy Guevara. And a lot of people think Sammy Guevara is going to retain the or regain the, the championship here. Um, and it seems like there has to be a title switch. Like you can't have a battle of the belts and not have a title change. So I'm going to think that Sammy Guevara is also going to take the title, making that Cody Rhodes championship run pointless. So it's like, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. He shouldn't have won the, the TNT championship to begin with. He did not need a third reign. But that's AEW. Hey, Brandon, got any shout outs? 
Hi, this is Casey Kasem, and up next on the American Top 40, Brandon Shoutout. The first shout-out goes to Betty White. She unfortunately passed away last week at the age of 99, less than a month shy of hitting 100. Betty White, I think, was an absolute treasure. She holds a Guinness World Record for her career that spans over eight decades in television. There's episodes of What's My Line that she was on to tell the truth match game. She was on the Mary Tyler Moore show as Sue Ann Nivens. Obviously her biggest role as Rose on The Golden Girls. I liked when the internet lobbied around getting Betty White to host Saturday Night Live and then she finally got to host in 2010. I thought that was awesome. Uh, She also guest hosted an episode of Monday Night Raw, which is pretty crazy. At the time... I uh, also looking back at it, I still don't think that they use Betty White properly on Monday Night Raw as a guest host, but it was still pretty cool that she is as like an extended part of the the pro wrestling community. And I was about to walk into the movie theater on New Year's Eve with my my friends, and one of my friends looked at his phone and told me and his brother, and we just stopped outside the movie theater and just like took a second to, I guess, react and reflect on Betty White. And then we went into the movies. One of the previews before was the documentary being released on her birthday in theaters for her 100th birthday. I like that Xavier Woods paid tribute to her on the kickoff to day one by mentioning St. Olaf, Minnesota, which is where her Golden Girls character is from. All in all, I just want to say thank you for the years of entertainment to Betty White. Thank you for the laughs. She was a, a national treasure. An absolute icon. A legend. She was so funny. And uh, I want to extend my condolences to her her friends and fans all around the world. And ultimately, thank you. Next shout-out is going to Spider-Man No Way Home. That was the movie that I saw on New Year's Eve. And there's like, there's so many things to unpack from that movie. But I still feel like we can't talk about it. Where all I feel like I can say is that I thought it was really good. And I can't wait for a fourth movie. I know that's basically confirmed. So, all in all, I thought it was really well done. I appreciated everything in that movie that took place. And then my final shout-out is going to Taylor Swift's song 22, because it's 2022. Of course, I was playing this on New Year's Eve. They even have a hashtag emoji for hashtag I'm feeling 22, which is one of the lines in the song. Obviously, the song's about the age 22, but now it can be applied to 2022. So those are my shout outs. Now it's time for my that is right. My mark out moments of the week. Um, right off the bat on the, the day one 
pay-per-view, I popped at Brock Lesnar doing a Paul Heyman impression. And then I also, after the pay-per-view, popped. He's taking pictures with fans. He's taking videos with fans. A photograph gets posted on the internet of Brock Lesnar at a hotel bar. And one of the people in the picture, Wayne Gretzky. Brock Lesnar and the Great One. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, Also, I've been watching... Punisher and all the the Netflix MCU shows, which I said last week, Vladimir Kozlov pops up on the season two of The Punisher. I thought that was pretty cool to see him. And there was also another scene in The Punisher. At this point, I don't feel bad for spoiling stuff because it's been literally years. But uh, there was another uh, scene where they were going to rob a place and one of the guys to hide his face wore a Mil Moskris mask. So I, I popped at that too. So, really, those are my mark-out moments of the week. And that's really episode 570. Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, thank you so much for taking advantage of the ProWrestlingTees.com slash MarkingOut New Year's sale. Um, check us out on Twitter at MarkingOut. Instagram at MarkingOut11. Same as YouTube, MarkingOut11. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BTTG161. You can follow Chris on Twitter at ChrisSweenDog. You can follow Chris on Instagram at cmsweeney85. You can follow Dave on Twitter and Instagram at davidptdpt. Check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash out. Head over to prowrestlingtees.com slash out. Like I said before, pick up some merch. Thank you. Use the code REGARDLESS for 20% off and free shipping over at manscaped.com. And you could subscribe to us, give us comments, rate us. On Apple Podcasts, you can listen on Stitcher Radio, Spotify Podcasts, and MarkingOut.com. And for Chris, for Dave, for Brandon, we wish you the best of luck in your future endeavors. Have a fantastic week.